Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Zoom slows down and a random act of kindness. But first, the small businesses that got left out. As you certainly know by now, President Trump last Friday signed the CARES Act, a bipartisan multi-trillion dollar stimulus plan. One piece of it is about $350 billion of loans to small businesses. It's something called the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP. The basic idea is that any business with fewer than 500 employees is eligible, plus some nonprofits, tribal groups, and veteran groups. Each loan is for up to $10 million, and it's calculated pretty simply. You take your company's monthly payroll, costs, multiply it by two and a half times up to 10 million bucks. And if you have employees making over $100,000 a year, you only get to include that first hundred grand. The loans can even be forgivable. In other words, you don't have to pay them back so long as they are used on approved expenses like payroll. But there are a few thousand glaring exceptions any of the small businesses owned by private equity or many of the startups that have raised money from venture capitalists. But there are a few thousand glaring exceptions. Any of the small businesses owned by private equity funds or the startups that have raised money from venture capitalists. Well, at least the ones not involved in hospitality and travel. Those got carved out. Now, the reason for this exception is something called the affiliation rule, which is an old small business administration rule. It's complicated, but here's a good example. Imagine your company has 100 employees. In general, you should be able to get a PPP loan, but you're owned by a private equity fund that also owns dozens of businesses, each with 100 employees. Because of the affiliation rule, your company's payroll, and all of those other companies' payrolls get put together or affiliated, so the government no longer thinks you qualify as having fewer than 500 employees. Now, this has sparked concern not only from private equity and venture capital investors, but also from a pair of unlikely political bedfellows, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, both of whom want the Treasury Department to issue guidance waiving the affiliation rule. As McCarthy tweeted yesterday, quote, small businesses and startups that have received funding from private investors should still be eligible for relief from the CARES Act. Many of these companies are exactly the ones we need to fight COVID-19. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. So Representative McCarthy, yesterday you said small businesses and startups that have received funding from private investors should still be eligible for relief from the CARES Act. And then say many of these companies are exactly the ones we need to fight COVID-19. Could you uh, explain a little bit or expand on that last part, how these are companies that can help fight COVID-19? When you look at what we're dealing with, we need ingenuity. We need an idea of how we're going to compete against this differently than before. And that, that's just the mindset when you look at all these startups. And a lot of startups today are going into the health facility and others. You looked at a great deal amount of investment before. And one thing that we did in the Paycheck Protection Program, this is important. It focused on small business and keeping people employed. Now, one of the challenges, and this, is, this equals 47% of the entire workforce. They added 1.1 million jobs just in 2019. There was a question about because of the way financial money goes into a startup and others, if they were not available to this. I had been working with um, the administration. I actually just got off the phone with Secretary Treasury Mnuchin. This is going to be solved. The way you solve this is you want to make sure 
they a portfolio company isn't controlled by 50% or more for portfolio company. It does not itself have individual control rights. And I think this is the way we solve it, just by the percentage. Just where they got their money should not matter. It's the control of how much somebody has control over the company itself. By dealing with that, we'll allow and free up money because the last thing we want to see is these innovative new companies starting up in the medical field and others being shut down. And when you think about how America is dealing with that outside of medicine right now, the startup companies that are keeping us fed and others of how we're ordering online and dealing with a lot of this from Zoom and others. And I think there'll be a number of companies that are starting up right today, but will really get a new ability of customers in there. Look what we've done with telehealth. I think this will advance us by about a decade when it comes to technology and others. And the last thing we want to do is harm startups for being able to show what their portfolio and what their platform can do to help the consumer and actually provide us to be healthier and sustain ourselves through this critical time. So when you say the control, so is the way you think that Treasury guidance, I guess, which is how this would have to be done, that Treasury guidance would be coming, which basically says if there is not a single investor, a single entity that is controlling your company. So maybe you've got seven venture capital firms and each one maybe has 5% or 10% of your company, that if there's not control, you will indeed be exempted from this so-called affiliation rule? That is what I'm hearing. That is what I'm working on. And I believe at the end of the day, we will solve this problem. I think it'll be another day or two until we get the regs out. But uh, from my discussions with the Treasury, they understand the importance of startups. They understand what the intent of our bill would do when we were talking about the Paycheck Protection Program. I think people, how they read through it. I mean, think about it. These investment funds don't control more than 50%. They fund in it. That's just another way in a new world of how we're supplying money into entrepreneurs. Why control specifically? So I understand with startups, as you say, these innovative startups, there's also, as you know, this big universe of controlled, of private equity controlled companies that maybe say have 50 employees, 80 employees, but because the private equity fund that owns them has dozens or maybe you know hundreds of companies, suddenly they're excluded too. Do you think there's going to be movement on those two or will this simply be for non-controls? What I look at, if it doesn't have individual control, I don't think you should look at the big company number as well. But remember what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a crisis that came on us very quickly. We're trying to put $2 trillion into the industry. We're trying to keep people employed. If we had more time to write something, a longer distance to look at it, we're trying to do the best we can and making sure we can deal with this right now so people aren't being shut down. The easiest way to go is to look at a simple number of what the control is. But if I can work it even better from the aspect that, yeah, I may be a larger entity. We were able to do this when it came to some of the franchisees. Maybe if we could take some of that language, but that's what we're looking at now and apply it here. Speaking of if you had more time and do another bill, there's already, as you well know, lots of talk about Stimulus 2 or CARES Act 2, whatever you want to call it. When it comes to small businesses, you talked about the number of people in America employed by them. From your perspective, is what's in this bill, what you guys passed last week and the president signed, is it enough money for the amount of businesses that might need it? I think when you look at it right now, we're talking more than $2 trillion, okay? So first of all, it did a number of things. It didn't all go into small business. First, we no, went into hospitals, more than $140 billion. We did unemployment insurance. But what we would like to do is keep people employed, and this is the uniqueness. So the definition of a small business is 500 employees or fewer. So how we deal with them, you can go in and through, the, through your local banker, guaranteed from the SBA, you can get a loan. It's just going to be short-term, good interest rates, but guess what you're going to get here? If you spend this money on employees, on rent and utilities, that has been a grant. So it's something you don't have to pay back. It's the incentive to keep people employed, get us through the next two months, 
and get this economy. Remember, this isn't a financial crisis because it's not what put us into this crisis. It was a virus that we didn't ask for. We didn't invite it, but we're going to solve this together. When you say that, do you think we will? You're already hearing talk. Even the president's kind of talking about it a bit. Do you think we need to have in kind of short order, will there need to be a plan too, whether that's an infrastructure focused plan or something very similar to the CARES Act that's just kind of almost an extension of it? Well, the first thing you're hearing is people are talking about it now, haven't let this bill be implemented. Remember, this is the third bill. I'd rather see this implemented and whatever we do, base it on data and target where we need to go. When you hear people talking about a phase four right now, that's more that they want to implement their philosophy. Remember, we got the number three ranking in Congress who said this is an opportunity to restructure government. The president's talking about an infrastructure bill also. The president's always talked about infrastructure. But the one thing we've learned our lesson on, think of the past, those those shovel-ready programs that we spent all that money on that more people thought Elvis was alive than that those created any jobs. That's why I'd rather be smart with this money. This is a great deal amount of money. Let's get this implemented. If there are places that we need to invest more in a recovery after we get through these two months, Yes, we'll look at that. Do we need infrastructure? Yes, but we don't need to implement a philosophy that changes election law, that gets into a sanctuary. So it gets into things that are not about the coronavirus and the economy. Those are the things I want to stick to. That's the data I want to use on. That's why I'm working on this bill to actually make sure that startups, small businesses employ more than in the large businesses. And small businesses become very large. Apple started in a garage. You look how many people they employ today. How do we make sure we maintain that? And that's why we're changing these regs to make sure they're able to work in this time of crisis and keep them afloat. They can bring us a lot of new innovation that can help solve from healthcare to how we deal with our everyday life. We know it. We see it every day. Look how many people are using Zoom simply because of this. Look at what telehealth has been able to do. You can point to numerous items. And at the end of the day, when we look back at this moment in time, it'll be startups that went in and disrupted and solved a problem that we're having today. And by changing this regs, they stayed alive and they became a very big company because we were smart about it. Congressman McCarthy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Zoom, which has become the country's most ubiquitous video conferencing platform for everything from big business meetings to kindergarten classes. Last month, March, Zoom had 200 million daily meeting participants, up from just 10 million in December. One byproduct of that hypergrowth, though, has been increased scrutiny on Zoom's security, or in some cases, lack of security. For example, it's apparently quite easy for hackers to guess the codes for participating in meetings, leading to so-called Zoom bombing. Sometimes this can be amusing, but remember, Zoom is being used by kids and also even for highly sensitive meetings, like the one held daily by the British government's cabinet. So as of this morning, Zoom said it will pause all feature update work, instead freeing up engineers to focus exclusively on security and privacy issues, with the CEO pledging transparency. And finally, there is a Twitter account called Goodable, whose tagline is good news when you need it the most. And we could all use some. And the best one I have seen was posted on Tuesday. It's about a 12-year-old girl who was having trouble with her math homework, which in and of itself isn't terribly good news. But the tweet is a photo of her standing behind her screened-in front door holding a notebook in front of her on the sidewalk is her math teacher who had come over with a whiteboard and markers to help her from six feet away 
It's just another example of how the worst can bring out our best. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great National Burrito Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.